glad you're here. Now let's have some fun. Yeah. It's another episode of the Brian Trust. We like that, mm-hmm. don't we? Of course we mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us. My name is Brian. My name is also Brian. Yes. How about that? And with us today is our guest. Why don't you introduce yourself, guest? I'm Brian. See? Oh, oh there you go. It's, see the, it's almost like it's a conspiracy. Uh, How did that happen? Or a trust. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, yes, Brian Panks is back with us because obviously this is our spoilerific Star Wars you know, special that we do every year. Uh, this year it's obviously for Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, which just opened this weekend. And oh, we have man. all seen it. Yep. And we yes, have we feelings have. and thoughts about about the movie, oh, so we decided yes. to get on the mic and share them all. Um, so we will get into that in 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 just a quick minute. Um, we'll probably obviously we're going to talk about the plot shortly, a um, mm-hmm. little bit plot, some of the character arcs that happen in the movie, and just our thought, maybe our approaching thoughts on Episode Nine and kind of the franchise overall and where it's going, but. To be fair, a lot of that is going to be spoilers for the movie. So if you haven't seen episode eight yet, pause this episode, go go out to the theater, you know, come back in three hours, three, three and a half hours, depending on how long it takes you to get to the movie theater and back. Mm. Um, and then start the episode up again. If you have seen it and want to see it again before we talk, pause it, go out to the theater, come back in three and a half hours, you know, and and, and then come back and listen to us. So, until that time, you have been warned, and we will now sound the spoiler horn. You got any any good pork jokes? (laughs) Like, uh, like... Pork, uh, the other white meat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, we're back. We're back from the spoiler. Waiting this for old, some the, McDonald's organ nugget. Oh, organ <laughs> mm, no. beans. Organ beans. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, hey, right. hey, hey wait, wait, wait. Okay. wait, wait, wait. What's their okay. uh, what's what's their favorite R-rated movie? Porgies. Porgies. <laughs> 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 Uh, stick a pork in and I'm done Uh, (laughs) alrighty the spoiler horn has sounded and we are now in the danger zone danger zone danger zone okay anyway so um, let's start this off I just want to go around the horn here and get everybody's kind of opening thoughts uh, uh, just an overall impression of the movie that you got before we dive into the details Uh, Panksy why don't you go first yeah, man. Since you are our guest. Okay. Well, uh, I guess my feelings uh, as far as the movie was concerned was that um, I thought that it was wonderful. It was uh, a great cinematic experience. Uh, and uh, I felt like uh, everybody in the theater that I was in uh, was spellbound by it. Uh, you kind of, uh, and there was a point about two hours into the movie where I realized that I hadn't heard any cross chatter. I hadn't heard any like tiddling, any, you know, not even popcorn munching. Like people were just wrapped up in it. Um, and I kind of felt the same way. Uh, you were taken in way in directions that you didn't expect to go as far as the characters were concerned. And they, uh, they made sure to like 
you know, keep you interested, even in some of the weird little side subplots that they had. Um, but I, at the end of it, I also felt like this was a movie where I didn't have any real desire to go see it again anytime soon. And I can't see myself like owning it in my DVD collection and playing it over and over. Uh, so, you know, it, it did a lot of things. It advanced the story in a lot of really cool ways. But at the same time, it's it's not what I would consider a, a you know, a classic uh, that I would watch, you know, even as, as much as the uh, Return of the Jedi. OK. All right. Yeah. That- Interesting. Okay. No, that's fair. That's perfectly fair. Uh, I know I know a number of people that I've spoken to feel this similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people I know who were lifelong Star Wars fans have, have felt yeah, that I mean, way I a would, little bit. So I would consider it a better movie than Return of the Jedi, but it's still, uh, you know, like I said, it's just not one I, I would see myself watching over and over again. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Brian, what mm-hmm. about you? No, I loved it. Uh, I got to see it in uh, Dolby, uh, Dolby Digital. Okay. Uh, both video and sound. So um, the screen was, uh, you know, extra black, and the color was super vivid. Uh, and they they do this little demo before the thing to show you, like this is how you used to watch the movie, and this is now how you're gonna see this movie, and it's a fantastic display up there on the screen. But then they uh, then they give you the little sound demo, and uh, during during high heavy bassy areas, uh, your seat rumbles. You feel it, and so I was like, "This is going to be fantastic!" Because we all know in Star Wars, there's going to be a lot of explosions and things and engines rumbling and whatnot. Man, what that was an experience. That was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. I didn't get sick of it. I thought, boy, this is... There was there were some scenes where, for example, the part where... Um, uh, what's her face? Uh, Admiral... Hmm, Holdo? Her name was. Yeah. Admiral when Holdo, she, the new girl. When, yeah. yeah, the new girl. When she, you know, she went into light speed through that... Uh, ah, through ah, ah, we'll get there. <laughs> I know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, okay, okay yeah. that, that no, scene. And it was yeah. all quiet. And you know there's an explosion coming. You're like, this is going to be bad, right? And it was like, whoop, silence. And then, kabam, right? That Mm -hmm. about launched me out of the chair. It was amazing. Anyway, storyline. I loved it. Um, I had some what moments in the movie. Like, Mm -hmm. where is this going? Why did that happen? I think I shared Uh, a number of those. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure there's tons of stuff that we missed seeing it for the first time because it was so overwhelming and we've been waiting for two years. So I have to go see it again, maybe even another time after that, just to catch all the stuff. Uh, I've talked to a few people who have said, like, they loved it the first time, they understood it the second time, and then they really really got you know they really uh really understood it the third time mm. and so but uh, overall uh-huh. i loved it i, I love the storyline there were some parts where i was like mm-hmm, I'm not sure why yeah that's like that but uh but overall kept my attention i had the same you know i had the same kind of experience where I, the it, the time just flew by watching this movie yeah and uh and there were some good moments in there too i'll share with those 
I'll share that with you guys later. Right on. As we okay. discussed, I loved it, though. I did. Cool. Highly recommend it. All right. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, I probably fell, like I said, uh, I think probably somewhere in between you guys. Like, I really, really, really liked it. I think there were some things in the movie that kept me from truly loving it. There were some weak points, um, as can happen when you make film by committee. Um, but uh, I think overall, it's it's very, I would say for, for a lot of Star Wars fans, I think this is what's kind of causing the consternation with people is it's very jarring mm. in what it does to the franchise. And I think, and we can talk a little bit later on about what this, what this means, you know, for future episodes and stuff, but it, it is a very transitional movie in that way. I think the force awakens was trying to start there and then it was like, Nope. Okay. We're going this way. But, uh, but it, um, but it didn't diminish. Like I, I felt like they still paid homage to what was to a lot of what was there before, um, and we're able to say, okay, it's time to let this go, and we need to start venturing forward if we're going to keep this, you know, keep what we love alive. Um, so I really, I really appreciate, it. and a lot of the themes in the movie really resonated with me right now, just because of some of my own stuff that I'm trying to do, <laughs> you know, my own, mm-hmm. my own struggles lately. Um, so yeah, no, I really really liked it. I'm gonna go probably go see it again this weekend because I want to see if it, um, it watch it more analytically and kind of get a sense of uh, where I think things are going. Um, as I as I did before with episode one when that came out because I went and saw it a second time. Took like four pages of notes. So I'm just like, okay, what's happening? What's going on? You know, right. I mean, there I had a an end point to actually see. This is a little more open ended, but um, yeah, no, I I'm actually excited to some degree as to where the franchise is going. And I, and I'm, I love the movie and I highly recommend it for everybody to go see it multiple times. Mm-hmm. I think at least a second time, I would say it's worth a second viewing. I don't know about I don't know if it'll hold up like Brian's like, like Pank said, I don't know if it'll hold up to multiple viewings, but um, I'm going to see what happens. I think the force awakens actually weakened on multiple viewings uh, a bit. Um, from my initial blush of having seen it like five times in the theater, but um, but this one I don't know. I think it, I think like Empire. I think it's going to gain an appreciation uh, as it goes by for that. So that's the end of my opening statement. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So okay. So I mentioned before the spoiler horn. Um, we, we'll probably just talk a little bit about plot because honestly, there isn't much. Uh, it's very. It's a very plot light episode of, of you know plot light movie, but it, it follows most of the main tracks of Empire Strikes Back in that way. There's basically the A plot where you have your supporting heroes in a chase on the run from the Empire slash the First Order, and then you have your B plot, which is your Jedi in training, basically uh, at that point. And there's a subplot, obviously, with with Rose and Finn, which we'll get into as well, and you know their visit mm. to Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and stuff. So, uh, we'll, yeah. So that's basically the, the plot. It all kind of comes together at the end for one big fight. Um, unlike, unlike empire, it does all the, the storylines all merge in the same movie, uh, which I liked. I think it was good that it was kind of encapsulated in that way. Um, that kind of fits in with most kind of star Wars, traditional star Wars movies. Right. Uh, in that way, but what I really think that the best, the, the main thing about the movie is it really 
tried to push character arcs forward. Um, mm -hmm. And I think there's a flaw in this because there's not a lot of character development for most of these people. But the actual, they all, it's a lot of mini stories basically in between. Right. Uh, while the big story is kind of going on, so yeah, and I'll, and I, I will actually respectfully disagree with you there in that uh, that there was a, a a lot of character development that's basically unprocessed. It's all buffered at this point, uh, and it'll be okay. interesting to see how that plays out. But we can talk about that a little bit more later. Fair enough. Well, yeah, and I think well, what I mean especially is because we introduced they introduced a lot of new characters. Um, or several new characters this time, and then brought back ones from the previous movie, but then there were a number of characters they just didn't do anything with. And it was like, oh, it's such a waste. Um, so let's, I want to take these kind of in groups just sort of based on how they appeared in the film um, for characters. So the first one's kind of like, there's a, it's a bit of a three-way um, between, you've got Poe Dameron and then you've got Leia, and then you've got the new girl who we're talking about, Vice Admiral Holdo, played by Laura Dern, in the movie, and kind of their interplay throughout the plot. So, I mean, what do you guys think of? I, th I thought this was actually the, the most solid character arc in the movie, oddly enough, because it's, it's kind of Poe's sort of transition from just being a fighter jock on the line into actually, you know, like part of moving from being labor into management. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Kind of in that sense, like she, like they're telling, like Leia's telling him, like you need to step up. You know, it's, yeah. it, she hints at it. It's like I'm not going to be here forever. You know, like you need to step up to keep the fight going. Yeah, kind of and, thing. And there's a lot of that throughout right. the throughout the course of the movie. So, right, and, and then you know, like you she th says, thoughts? it's like there are some some things that can't uh, be solved by blow, jumping in an X-wing and blowing stuff up. You know, and, yeah, and, yeah. And then two minutes later, he turns around and asks permission to go blow something up. She's like, yep. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there's there's some of that. Yeah, that's what she's saying. There's a time for those things. And you just got to you got to pick your moments, I think. So it was at least I thought so. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that mm. really was one of the more solid uh, character arcs. And, and, you know, there uh, there is a point where um, you know he gets uh, his, you know, has his druthers, turns his his com off or whatever, and, and goes and blows up the the dreadnought with the, the you know mm -hmm. sacrificing a good portion of the the bomber fleet and the you know everything as far as that's concerned. Yeah, it's a very pyrrhic victory, right? And, and there's you know there's this this look where where you know they're post celebration or whatever. And uh, you see Leia look at, uh, you know, they're the, basically their, you know, ship inventory. And there's a number of red ones that are canceled out with zeros next to them. And the, the look that she gives just says it, it all and really was one of the more poignant acting scenes, I think, in the movie. Uh, just from in one glance, she, she, she conveyed the fact that, OK, yeah, we did blow up a big ship. But uh, at what cost? Like, we're running on fumes here as it is. And it really drove to me, uh, you know, the, the point home before that kind of final chase sequence on how few ships they really do have. Okay. And, and, yeah. and yeah, they won, but at what cost? You know, it reminds me a, a little, like, their relationship, like, Poe and 
Leia, it reminds me a little bit since I was since I mentioned Casino Royale earlier. The in in Casino Royale, like the the relationship between Bond and M, uh, in that like she's promoted him to this place that he may not be ready. Like she's trying to kind of teach him, you know, to to be better at his job, and he's not quite click. It's not quite clicking with him, you know, and that that's what it reminds me of a lot in, in that relationship. Yeah. In a good way. I mean, it's, it was a very because it's a very good dynamic for them, um, right? And, and uh, it's, and then, it's a thing because there is almost a, uh, uh, almost like a, a sexist overtone to Poe, and, and they they do it and they do it very cheekily, but it's like when they when they first introduce, uh, you know, Admiral Holdo, you know, he has that reaction of, oh, not really what I expected. <laughs> And, uh, you know, there was really almost an understated, like, I didn't expect that it was going to be a chick uh, and, uh, you know, that that it was going to be more of a diplomat than a uh, a strategic victor. And uh, I thought that was interesting. And it really set up his doubt as far as her plans, uh, you know, from that point on. And uh, yeah. And and then at the end of the, the entire little arc there where. She sacrifices herself, and uh, you know, Leia's like, "Yeah, uh, she was more about preserving the light than, uh, you know, going out and just getting a hero badge." You know, and uh, yeah, it really kind of drove the the point home that there are greater battles to be fought than just the ones from the cockpit. Yeah, well, and I think that that, and it's it's interesting to see because when you don't usually see the higher ups like that sacrifice, you know, step up into the line of battle like that. Um, like you do, like she does later in the movie, you know, and that's, again, that's one of those many changes from previous star Wars films that we see where it's like, yep. Okay. We're going for it. You know, and you see a little, you saw a little bit of that in rogue one with the, when they use the hammerhead Corvette, like they know they're screwed, but they're just like, okay, let's go do the thing and save the day. Yeah, but you see so that's stuff you don't see very often uh, in Star Wars on a on a on a large scale like that. You know, usually it's like a fighter pilot or something. You know, one of the little guys, which is always the big has always traditionally kind of been the big theme of Star Wars. Like the little guys make a difference, right? You know, mm-hmm. which so I I actually appreciate that. It's I, I'm sad that they killed off that character because I think she could have been a good alternative. Uh, since unfortunately Carrie Fisher's untimely passing is a good replacement for Leia in episode nine. Yeah. But then, but then on the flip side, that's all she would have been seen as, as a replacement for Leia. Like Uh she never would have been, I don't think they would have had a much harder time establishing her as her own person. Right. That's actually, uh, to the fans. So that's a very fair critique. I think is that yeah. yeah. If they had done that, they would have, everybody would have said, "Oh well, you know, the role was originally supposed to be Leia, and they just got Laura to, to fill in after she passed." Yeah, basically, and I think that's so. I think it's I think it's it's right that they didn't change that. I, I wanted them to obviously because I would like I want to see Leia go out in a blaze of glory like that. That would be just very in character for her. I think. Um, not violently, but to serve a greater purpose, you know? Um, but they didn't, they didn't change the film to, to mess with that. So, and I think that's, I think in the end, that was probably the right approach. 
uh, for it. So, yeah. So those three, it's kind of interesting to, and then obviously Poe by the end really does start to step up, uh, into that role when they're on crate as the, you know, the empire's coming and he realizes like, well, no, we can't fight. We got to run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, he really, he really realizes the sense of that to be like, okay, yeah, we can't go down. We can't always go down swinging. Otherwise there won't be anybody left to swing. Um, so and then and that's good and I, I assume that will lead into episode nine where he will the, with the changes they're going to have to make he will step up into a much greater role, uh, leading the resistance as it is you know I mean I imagine he'll still be kind of be on the front lines so like he'll be very much a a, a guy of, of action but I think it's uh, he's going to see more of the the bigger picture at that yeah. point so. yeah I mean because he is know. you know supposedly the the best pilot in the in the you know the <laughs> resistance, yeah. Resistance, uh, and now they've got like three, so that's not saying much. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. it's, it's, he made the top three. Yeah, woo. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. Well, after especially with the um, with the attack from Kylo Ren, when they like blow up the hangars so and like decimate their pilots. Um, Including the ones who survived the attack on the Dreadnought. It's like, oh, come on. You know, so, uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see um, where they go with that. I assume they'll have more pilots again in episode nine because the other areas, like the other resistance groups, cells or whatever, are coming together uh, at some since they sent that signal out, you know, um, at the end of the movie. So that which then leads us to our next character pairing. So we've got Finn, who finally comes out of his coma uh, after being slashed in the back of the Force Awakens. Um, so he finally wakes up, and you know, obviously, there's a lot of humor with the squirty squirty suit he's wearing. You know, right? <laughs> basically, just he looked like a lawn toy. You know, it's like <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. That would have been great to have a his slip, arc slip inside moment in the background, like when somebody's like, "Wee!" <laughs> well, the fact that like when Poe finds him and kind of hugs him and all the juice, you know, right. it's like, "Oh yeah. wow, that's just kind of ridiculous." And then he, you know, then he gets dressed and he immediately flees. <laughs> He's like, "I'm out of here!" Screw right. this noise. Um, or tries to uh, gets caught by new character Rose Tico or Tycho. They never really pronounce her last name. I think it's Tico. Hmm. Uh, Rose, played by relative newcomer Kelly Marie Tran, who killed it. Yeah, she just yeah. she was amazing. Like that's she is the MVP of the movie for me. Like she really just stole it for every scene she was in. She like stole the movie. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously their first meeting, she's all flustered because he's like a hero of the resistance or whatever. And then she realizes he's trying to escape and stuns him. Right. <laughs> no hesitation Which was great. there. Yeah, it was, it was, it was nice. Exactly. Cause she's like, you know, uh, I've already zapped two people today. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, and, and that's interesting. And even that statement's interesting because it's like, it gives you the idea that that he's not the only one thinking about right. this. You know, it's kind of like the fact that other people are are trying to flee is like, hmm. Well, interesting. So, well, as you would expect, I mean, there's obviously going to be some people who are so panicked and don't want to die that hard. You know, it's, right? Um, that they're willing to take their chances in an escape pod out in the depths, of, like they're in the middle of nowhere. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, where are they going right. to go? 
Um, so I, I found that, I found that kind of fascinating. I was like, if they're, it, that's almost, yeah, I'm trying to find a comparison that's not really super morbid, but <laughs> I don't, I can't find one. <laughs> so, you know, like the, like jumping out of the world trade center, you know, it's just, uh, which way do you want to go? I, it's, you know, um, sorry, I didn't mean to be a downer there, yeah, but so their but their character arc then, so they, those two are the ones who actually travel to Casino Royale, as I mentioned. Uh, they're going to the 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 plot contrivance basically sends them off to find this this master code breaker. Um, I should say plot contrivance in the form of a fun cameo by Maz Kanata. Yes. Yeah. Who's there just briefly, which is unfortunate because I think she's a really awesome character and I really want to see more of her. Um, but obviously she's got she got a union dispute to settle, so was, um, yeah. that was very funny. I thought that was a really that was really nice humor yeah. in the in the and movie. And I think it was a nice way to include the character. And I think after the first movie and the way that she was received, that was definitely um, you know it, it was something that they realized that they had a great character uh, you know planned or, or scheduled out there. Um, but it still yeah. felt weird because uh, like. You know, Pose met her zero times that I that I, that I know well, of. We don't know, right. and that's the thing. Like, we don't know right. who who contacted her specifically. Right. They never really and, say. And like, I suspect that Poe does know her in some in some fashion. Okay, but I mean, it's it just seems weird that you know if you've got somebody like that, that oh, we'll just get her on the phone right now. You know, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> well, it's a small galaxy. Right, right. she took so. Right, and she took the phone call during that whole, like, right, <laughs> whatever exactly. she was dealing with. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, when her friends call. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, my my suspicion is she, that's the thing, like, I, sus- I suspect she's actually well-known to them. Um, she obviously, at, as established in The Force Awakens, like, she's friends with Han and Chewie, and she knows Leia as well. Like, she knows these right. people. Uh, I mean, after a thousand years, I assume she literally knows everybody, but it's, right. um, so I suspect it was not one of those that I, I imagine off screen at some yeah. point or the first way it's like, you know, give me a call if you ever need anything. Yeah. No, she was probably at like, uh, uh ben, here's my ben Solo's bar mitzvah and you know, all that. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> wow. Four, I see a four straight. <laughs> right. like, ah. It just keeps spinning. Uh, I can't help it. Stop that. I can't. It's fun. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you're right. There's probably some family relation there, um, you know, that, that uh, as they actually, because you never get to see that part of uh, Leia and, so, and Hansola's uh, relationship. But, yeah, they, maybe they right. had yeah. people over for drinks and stuff and Maz on them. She's an old family right. friend. Kind of, yeah. Well, and I think, and especially... I'm sure Hans met her on more than one occasion, even before all that fun. Uh, sounds like just based on based on it, it sounds like they have history as friends. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so it's kind of like friendly history because obviously, being a scoundrel, he would end up there probably on more than one occasion. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I think, but I thought it worked in that way. I hope they give her. I hope she comes back in episode nine. I hope they actually give her a bigger role. Um, to some extent, but it's hard because there's just so many, there's so many characters now. It's like, who do you give, who do you give screen time to? And who do you just give like lip service to, you know, it's just like giving them just a brief appearance 
kind of thing. I mean, Admiral Akbar was there. He didn't get any lines, and then he died. Right. Which right. I was I was very sad about. <laughs> I was like, what? No. We um, didn't even get a. Uh, it's a trap. We got no traps. Yeah, I know. We got nothing. And it was. And it was. It's a trap. Yeah, I mean, it was that was unfortunate, and I think it's uh, you know it. And, and but that's again, that's one of those shifts of like, yeah, this 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 is not your dad. This is not your guys' Jedi. This is not your guys' Star Wars as much as it used to be. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like enough with nostalgia. Let's start. Let's start raising the raising the building so we can build put something new in its place. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Probably a Starbucks. And, 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 and one of my pet theories. <laughs> Starbucks. One of my pet theories is that uh, there's actually a reason why you see a lot of like the the uh, the water critters as uh, the the you know the upper ups in the uh, the space battles, which is that you know, if, mm-hmm. if you consider the fact that their their civilizations grew up underwater, like three dimensional fighting is probably uh, uh, something that's more intrinsic in their nature uh and and so like the the resistance has now lost their big squid i mean it's uh you know there there's a a disadvantage tactically there yeah well i know i know from the expanded universe at least i know it's technically not canon anymore but the the mon calamari which is that race actually built most of those cruisers that they're using Mm -hmm. for the republic like they're that's the thing they're shipbuilders um as well okay. so that's that's why they end up that's why so many of them end up in command of those ships because they built them so they know them you know and uh so they end up crewing a lot of those starships and cruisers and frigates and stuff for for the republic um which i thought was interesting at least in the there is there's one of the i think it's in the air to the empire trilogy they actually go to Mon Calamari, like there's an attack on the shipyards there. So oh, wow. at one point, so they described that in detail. So I mean, it was, uh, it was very well done. I mean, I, but that that reminds that always reminds me of that like that's why they're always on board. That's why they have that kind of bulbous, squid-like shape to them almost too. Is that that's just the design from that race, mm. uh, basically. So, which I thought was kind of cool. You know, um, I, again, I'm sad that Admiral Akbar died. But it's a wrap. But <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> um, but this is crap. <laughs> <laughs> Order a wrap. <laughs> uh, anyway, take a wrap. All right, go on. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, yeah. So so Finn and Rose. So Finn and Rose. They 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 go to Casino Royale. Um, they meet one of our. Other other new new characters um, who, and I'm just putting air quotes around this DJ because that's how they, that's how they list him in the credits. Although they, no one ever mm-hmm. refers to him by name. No, Mm-mm. so we don't actually know what the hell his name is. <laughs> um, played by Benicio del Toro in a very interesting. It was a very interesting role for him. I think um, mm-hmm. being being very Benicio del Toro on screen, but. <laughs> Uh, as a drunken kind of uh, thief, scoundrel, you know, general kind of scoundrel and thief, um, who, because yeah, Finn and Rose, when they land, of course, immediately get arrested because they're double parked on a public beach, right? You know, ruining the ruining the view of <laughs> for some yeah. snobby alien, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, oh my god! 
Uh, so, but he he basically breaks himself out of jail. They kind of go with him and get that dramatic chase on whatever the horse greyhound things. I don't know right. what those were. It was <laughs> no idea. The Horses-ish, I yeah. guess. They're... Yeah, basically. Um, and they inspire a bunch of orphaned kids who are sort of there. I mean, Rose kind of gives her backstory a little bit with that when she talks about growing up on kind of this backwater planet where they were forced to work for, like her parents were forced to work for the, the Empire or the First Order at the time kind of thing. So I thought that was really cool. And then they, obviously they project the fact that she, her sister was on one of the bombers and kind of saved the day at the end there, but sacrificed her life in the process. Um, yeah. with the, with the jewelry she's wearing, you know, it was like, cause it was like two halves of a, right. Like a yin and yang symbol almost. Yep. And I was like, Oh, yes. right. I mean, I knew that was going to come in, but, but, um, but then there apparently out of, out of nowhere, like she, like there's a relationship developing there, kind of. Right. You know, at just, least, a, at least one sided. Like Rose really has it for Rose is really hung up on Finn. Right. Which is uh, for it, sure, as we see by the end of the movie. So. Yeah, it's really like a whirlwind romance too, in in the fact that yeah, you consider that their entire like uh, you know Casino Royale adventure was 18 hours, and you know you maybe get yeah. an extra like four hours getting into the. Uh, the, the mining planet, the salt planet. And uh, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, hey, we've known for less than two days. I love you. You know. It reminds me a lot of uh, Speed. It's a very yes. Speed-like relationship. <laughs> you know, there's just all this traumatic experience that kind of pushes them together emotionally and or at least pushes her to him. He doesn't really, it doesn't seem like he really feels that way. <laughs> so, right. Like his body language doesn't really say that so much. Like he obviously cares for her as like another human being sort of thing. But it was like, except at the end, it was never really, you never really see any major tenderness on his part uh, right. toward her in that way. So I thought that was, because obviously, as we know from the first movie, he's clearly, clearly got it, got it hard for Ray. Right. Mm. Uh, so, and still does, although they never really, they never really make eye contact through like the entire movie. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, uh, interesting. I'll be curious to see where that as, as yeah, it, you know, creates that love triangle sort of thing going on, almost a rectangle. Cause now, cause then you've got Kylo in there too, sort of. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which leads us, which leads us now to our, our next pairing, of course, Kylo Ren and Ray, or as they're calling it, hashtag Raylo. Oh God! <laughs> um, idea, it's already happened. I'm like, oh really? Um, so they're, they, the two of them start up. They have many conversations, even though they're in separate parts of the galaxy. Um, uh, through the Force. Apparently, the force is now a long distance provider. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like, it's like cricket. they can make their hollow calls to each other. Right. It's yeah. like cricket. It, it's a budget thing. It's, sometimes it doesn't work that well, but <laughs> but it's cheap when it when it happens. Yeah. So thank you for calling. Thank you for using Galactic Bell. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Not a not a sponsor of this podcast. Yes, not a sponsor of this podcast. <laughs> um. <laughs> So yeah, so Kylo, Kylo and Ray. It's an interesting sort of experience because he, Kylo's getting negged by Snoke, essentially, 
Um, Big time. What happened to you, man? I thought you were cool. What? I'm still cool. Um, So, you know, Kylo's getting egged by Snoke. And so then he's like reaching out to Rey, um, seemingly to kind of talk to her and get kind of keep that connect, like try to understand her and keep that connection a little bit. And like, you know, we felt something. Come on, baby. Uh, Meanwhile, Rey's on the planet with Luke trying to convince him to train her as a Jedi, uh, which he's got, you know, nothing doing. Well, and we'll come back to that in a minute (laughs) as well. Um, But she, they have multiple conversations throughout the course of the film before they're ever face to face. And then she willingly goes to him Mm -hmm. to try and save him, you know, ostensibly, Mm. which leads Mm -hmm. to a, a betrayal. And then another betrayal, and then yet another betrayal. <laughs> like, oh no! And then they go their separate ways. Well, but in the, um, Luke, after a big put, after a big Indian push fight over a lightsaber, over the lightsaber, you know. Right. <laughs> and that you know, there's a line in there from Luke that that actually, like, you know, kind of pings on that directly. And, and that's where, uh, and I'm sure that Yoda actually felt the same way to a certain extent. Is like, you know, she has that dream where she finds the 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 you know, the pit with the, the hall of mirrors down there. And, uh, you know, he, yeah. he's like, you saw the darkness and you went right to it. Like you didn't even hesitate. Yeah. Yep. So it's like, well, and I think, yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's, I think it's his own fear because of his, obviously because of his own path. And I think he's seeing a lot of similarities in what she's in the choices she's making. Um, so he's trying to kind of warn her off of that. Um, like he even says, you know, when she's like really like toward the end, when she's going to leave, he's like, this is not going to end how you think as he knows from personal experience, (laughs) like you can't just turn him like that. It doesn't, it doesn't just happen. (laughs) Probably. I don't, I don't want you to lose your hand. It's painful. Trust me. (laughs) Right. We've actually, uh, Um, we've gone through two movies without anybody getting a robotic hand yet. I know. I mean, what the heck? Um, yeah. Disappointing. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I mentioned to somebody, I think we were talking about, I was talking about it on Facebook with somebody. And it was like, I was like, okay, so Anakin lost his arm. Luke loses his hand. I suspect Ray will probably just like lose, Ray will lose like a fingertip. Um, <laughs> if you're going in proportion to, to the damages they're doing, maybe she might get a scratch somewhere. You know? <laughs> Hangnail. Get a scar on the back. Yeah, like a bloody knuckle, maybe. Right. You know, it's like, oh gosh. Mm. Um, I can still fight. Yeah, it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I'm kind of curious. So Ray, Ray is really following that the same. But that's the thing. Like Ray ends up following the same path that Luke does for the most part. Obviously, except he doesn't get it. He get her hand chopped off and fall down. A uh, you know a event in cloud city but mm. but she does have that the very headstrong kind of reaction to be like okay now i have this power i gotta go use it even though she's still not clear on exactly what her last she said you know trying to find what her place is in the in the galaxy mm. and all of that you know and the confrontation with kylo at the end is surprising in that because you know as we talk about like she said he says like you know you you know the truth you're nothing like it doesn't really matter, but you can be something if you come evil. Go turn evil with me, eh? Oh, <laughs> what do you think? Eh? Eh? <laughs> so, uh, 
So, and she, but she's like so sure that he was supposed to turn into a good guy. And he might still, let's be fair. We don't know where episode nine's going, but, um, but she, cause she saw this vision of the future of a possible future. Cause we all know, like, you know, so there's so many time travel movies. The future is not set. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. And then they fight over Luke's lightsaber, which then breaks because they're pulling at it, you know, <laughs> like, okay, that's just seems like, I want to say that seems like shoddy construction, but that thing's been through a lot. So I'm not yeah. totally surprised that that happened. But I'm curious about well, Luke. Didn't, Luke didn't want it anyway. Well, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. It's very true. Like he he has it, just tosses it over his shoulder. I'm like, ah. And that kind of leads to um, a sidebar here. I want to talk about some of the humor and the jokes throughout the movie. What did you think about the level of humor? I mean, there's definitely more of it than there's been in any of the movies yet. I think. Um, I liked it. Okay. I like when comedy is introduced into into cinema. I loved it. <clears throat> I thought. Uh, I thought well, there there was. I thought one thing. One thing was. I was gonna say one thing was a little distracting was Luke's grumpiness. That kind of turned me off a little bit. I wasn't expecting that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, but there were some. I there were some the, good, com, you know, comedy. Yeah, I love the uh, the the kind of the nuns that had to deal with the fact that Ray was constantly <laughs> yeah. destroying yeah. their island and you know uh but in the you know the poor and everything that they touch just... right and the poor accept <laughs> their humor too but uh you know there 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 were i guess uneven patches as far as the humor were was concerned and i found that those actually like yeah. you know there were there were some things that it, it almost felt like it was a little bit forced or jarring to, to include something like that. Mm. And, uh, yeah, you know, mm. and, and I think they, they really push the envelope with the scene with, uh, you know, Poe and Admiral Hux at the, at the beginning. And, and that was wonderful. Uh, it was very out of place, it, but, uh, you know, it ran a little long as the problem. Right. It ran, they, they ran yeah. that joke into the ground. I was like, eh, no, does Seth MacFarlane yeah. come in and write that gag for you guys? Right. I just, Oh Yeah. But, well, maybe he works for Disney yeah. now. <laughs> Everybody works for Disney. One yeah. of us. One <laughs> of us. Um, but no, you know, and I, I think I agree. I think the humor, for the most part, I, th- one of the problems I had with it, there were moments where the jokes just felt out of place, like Luke chucking the lightsaber over his shoulder. That just was like, ah, you know. I mean, I laughed because it was shocking, but to me, it was like right. that just seemed inappropriate. In a way, he, like he could, he literally could have just dropped it to the ground and walked away instead of like the chucking over the shoulder didn't really right. need to happen. Right. Like some of it just felt inappropriate in some ways. Um, but yeah, and then and then like we talked about the Poe Hux thing went on a little long. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some there were small elements that were very funny throughout as well, and I liked that that they were there. But to me, it strikes me as. Part of the like, like what I I think I I worried about when when Disney first bought Lucasfilm was the Disneyfication of Star Wars mm-hmm. in that way and making it too cute and family friendly, just neutering all of the dramatic tension right. with jokes. Yeah, uh, because there's moments in there that are really solid and really strong, and they they crack a joke and it just diffuses everything and kind of neuters all the import of what's happening. Right. 
And I just, I thought I was very disappointed by that. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I do think in that way, I do but. think that, uh, you know, they did include a, a fairly gross uh, and crude joke at the Porg's expense with Chewy. And, and, and that was by oh. far the funniest, oh, yeah. uh, the funniest bit, I think, of the entire movie. And, and, and I, I don't know. A Wookiee's got a Wook, you know. know, but that that was one that actually that was and that was a scene that actually worked for me. Yeah, like, that, I loved it. That, that was great. And <laughs> the you know, the only thing I think would have made made it better was if they'd actually like found a way to serve like Cornish game hens or something at the premiere of the movie and let, <laughs> let let people be chomping away on those like on a stick. And then like they get to that scene and like, yeah. oh, God, what have I done? Yeah, that would have been that would have been really yeah you know, uh, nothing like a good pulled pork sandwich, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> 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 like the porgs are the new gonk droids of the Star Wars right. universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're just kind of there to be cute and waddle around, you know. Yeah, I, um, I'm thinking, fly a little bit, apparently. Yeah, I'm thinking of know. that Futurama ep- episode with the uh, the little crunchies and, uh, you know, the, the yes. fries eating. The poplars. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Stop eating our young! <laughs> and it's pronounced guacamole! <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yeah. No, the whole Poplar episode was really funny. Yeah, um, well, Ed, to me, and that's the thing. Like they, I think they've had a right balance with the Porgs. They just got to be careful not to go like full Ewok mm-hmm. with them. Um, I think they're funny now. I'd love to see because obviously through the course of the movie they start nesting yeah. in the Millennium Falcon I, as well, which was hilarious. Yeah, and I actually, you know, give them props for not doing the the you know the tried and true. Millennium Falcon jokes, as far as that's concerned, and had them like, you know, eat critical wiring at a, at a, a huge, you know, point yeah. in the movie, and, and instead they're they're just you know happily and playfully like ripping up the upholstery and pooping everywhere, and it's like, you know, well, and they and they also didn't have to. They also, I mean, some of it is they didn't have time to do it, but they also didn't have to do any of the classic millennium Falcons like beating on it to get it to work. Right. Exactly. Um, any of that, mm-hmm. cause you got, because you got Ray, who's like a top notch mechanic, who's actually fixing everything, right. you know, it's got it all working like mm-hmm. smoother than it right. ever has been. You, you know? Somewhere Hans going, um, Chewie, what the hell was I paying you for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obviously I didn't finish that ASE certification. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think that yeah, and so the pork like Chewie and the porks, yeah, and there was actually um, before the the movie came out, there was a kids book released called Chewie and the Porgs. It's like a little animated children's book where the porks are all friendly with him and stuff. So right. there's some extra story. That just to sounds that, like I a think. band it's name to me. Interesting. It's like yeah, it's like yeah. Uh, we're Chewie and the Porgs. Chewie and the Porgs. That was my uh, Cantina cover band in college. Right. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, so yeah no i liked um that but what was your what was uh, what was your top song that you played um Don't yeah i think it was i think we did we did a nice we did a, we did a nice cover <laughs> we did a nice cover of yub nub <laughs> i think um that was the most requested one was yub nub uh done in kind of a heavy metal style mm-hmm. so <laughs> Mm. Uh, you know, oddly enough, ah! 
you know. Um, right. I, I imagine. That- and then they replaced. Uh, we replaced our lead singer with a CGI guy, and it just didn't. You know, things fell apart. So. Mm. I right. see. I, I now you've just got that me happens. wondering what uh, like you know Wookie uh, Screamo would be like. <laughs> No one understands my That's pain. That's tall bass yeah, player right there. <laughs> it's just gonna be—it's gonna be a loop of the MGM lion. <laughs> <laughs> you got some. It's all the same thing. Gregorian chant. <laughs> Wookies and black eye mascara. Yeah. Oh. So. But uh, yeah, it's uh, the the humor was there. It was a little bit uneven, but I, I you know, it, it is a kids' yeah. movie at, at the end of the day, supposedly. So yeah, yeah, it's a kids' movie like Doctor Who is a kids' show. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, maybe not so much anymore. Yeah, you because know, those kids have all grown up, <laughs> so they want to see some other stuff with their with their Star Wars, and I think that's part of what. Ryan Johnson and and we'll get into this more a little bit later. That's kind of I think that's part of part of Ryan Johnson's overall goal uh, was to kind of really start pushing things in that direction, um, not to move away from kids, but to be to find a better balance between the two. Because for adults, it's all nostalgia. There's nothing really solid to grab onto other than that um, in a lot of this in a lot of the current stories. So I think if you get a chance to expand the universe a little bit more, they might find new things for both kids and adults to really latch on to uh, with those movies. But <clears throat> we're getting way off track. Um, I want to go back to to the island, the water planet with the island, obviously, because we've got Luke there. Um, as you talked about, Brian, Luke and his grumpiness, I actually thought it worked. Um, it was At times it was a bit too much. But I like the idea that his his hermitage, as it were, his self-imposed exile was specifically just to go away. And and then over the course of the film, they reveal why he doesn't want to leave. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to be this legendary guy that everybody thinks he is. And he doesn't he he refuses to embrace that that part of right. himself, you know, after after his failure. And um and even then, after she leaves, he's like, I'm going to burn the tree. I just want to be alone. I want everybody to just leave me alone right. so I can die, you know, a grouchy, bitter well, failure. The interesting thing to me was that he was actually, <laughs> and they they never directly state this, but you, you kind of extrapolate from it. But Luke was using the Force primarily to shield any kind of Force usage around him. To the point that Yoda didn't even get a chance to talk to him. Like Yoda couldn't even get there. He was he was basically projecting an anti-force field, so strong. Kind of, kind of. It was basically yeah. Because well, no, Ray even says it outright. Like you closed yourself off from the force. He kind of cut himself off his connection. Right. And but it was so much. Of which it. I was like, oh, they can people can do that. Okay. Right. But it's, uh, you know, and so yeah. much so that like, you know, Yoda's first line is like, "Hey, missed you, dude." Like, yeah, and especially Yoda, who was like the greatest force user of all time. It was like, oh, he can't get through. Hmm. Can I I tell you about a funny uh, moment in the movie? Sure. So, uh, so in the theater, we were talking about this, how people were so just in the movie and quiet and everything. Mm -hmm. And it was silent in this movie. And 
Yoda, his, you know, we get to see the back of his head and the ears and everything. And there was kind of this like, you know, everyone was like, and here's me. Ah, like that's. <laughs> I, I I literally I think I went yeah yeah like I I didn't not out loud but inside I was like yeah I got super excited about that actually I was I was yeah. stoked to see it and they they went back to using a puppet instead of digital, uh, which right. I thought was an interesting choice. Um, for and that, Frank Oz but, did the voice. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's did he? I don't remember. Did he actually mm-hmm. do? Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I think so. I think he was in the credits as, okay. uh, yeah. as the voice. Well, yeah, no, because I, I, he's been voiced by um, a bunch of other people. Uh, Tom Kane yeah. primarily is the voice of Yoda in all the animated and the video game stuff right now, basically everything outside mm-hmm. the movies. So I wasn't sure if Frank Oz was still doing that. I believe so. Um, I believe we checked for that, and it. Uh, uh, he, he was in the credits. Okay. Well, no, I, I buy I that. So. Sure. Um, I believe so. But I think... Um, the uh <laughs> excuse me when you with with Yoda it was interesting because his appearance kind of comes from you know Luke's going to go burn this tree that has like the sacred jedi text in it or whatever you know basically kind of burn burn the temple down essentially um and then he stops himself when Yoda appears and then Yoda does it <laughs> you know and which was kind of cool mm-hmm. i actually was sort of sub- I, at first I was surprised and I realized I'm like okay the but the this is where the themes start to resonate with me uh, the, there's a dual theme here with Luke and and then with Kylo as well because Kylo talks about letting the past die or killing it if you have to obviously he's going a little dark side there kill it if you have to but Yoda tells Luke it's like this stuff doesn't matter it's just words on a page mm-hmm. you know like it's all stuff from the past you can't you can't be beholden to what's come before if you ever if you're ever going to move forward in in life essentially well and, and um, like luke you know he even admits that uh you know it's there uh pretty much as a symbolic thing and that's about it and you know yeah because like he never read them <laughs> it was, was just like, like did you ever read them and he's like uh they weren't exactly good reading uh, <laughs> yeah, page turners they were not. <laughs> yeah, it was just, which I loved. I thought that was fantastic and and that's the thing like Yoda blowing up the tree like jarred me at first and it was like okay, this is interesting and especially that wisdom coming from Yoda who was like the wisest Jedi master ever. You know, it was like why did you do those things in the prequel? <laughs> you know, where was all this before? Um but he does. That's the thing. They really hammer home that that's what he was talking about all the time, and they're never keeping his mind on where he is, like being in the present. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, and like the fact that when you're teaching, you're not just teaching your successes, but your failures too, because right. failure is how you mm-hmm. learn. And so I think that's that was one of those things that Luke, and that and that's really resonated with me. Um, especially like it's, it's one of those things that Luke struggled to learn was that he took all his failures personally and never really learned from me, just kind of wallowed in it. Right. Um, especially with Kylo when, when Ben Solo turns into Kylo Ren goes, goes all dark side. Like he feels like he really, I mean, he failed him, but then he really just eats that. So, you know, takes that. So inside, that's why he ends up like shutting himself off from everybody. Um, just out of shame because in it, like in a very Greek tragedy way, he let his hubris destroy him or he thinks he let his hubris destroy him. You know, 
I think. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I think um, he. I mean, clearly he blames himself, and uh, and and you know, I thought uh, you know one of the the most interesting aspects of the movie was the multiple retellings of the scene that took place uh, between him and yeah. Kylo. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that you get the first version, which is like, oh, yes, this stuff happened. And then you get the second version, which is Kylo's, which, you know, uh, you know. Yeah, basically it adds more detail as well, you go. But, yeah. it, but the Kylo version is basically like Luke, you know, pretty much just hisses and like spits fire. And, uh, you know, yeah. and, and you, you see it from the, the self-reinforced perspective of Kylo where, He's replayed this thing in his mind over and over and over again. It's been touched by, you know, his hatred, his, his, uh, you know, fear, whatever, whatever you want to say the dark side mm-hmm. is that it's become, you know, almost this, this caricature of Luke as Nosferatu or, or some kind of, you know, monster. And from Luke's perspective, you know, you feel almost the exact opposite of that where it's like, oh God, I accidentally touched something that I shouldn't have. And, you know, the, 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 I just did it a little, uh, but he's still mortified by it. And the fact that he had those feelings yeah. and, uh, you know, they it... forgot how easy it was to succumb to the dark side. Yeah. It was like that easy. Cause they even, even Yoda told him that it was like, it wasn't even that the dark side is, is more powerful. It's just easier and more seductive. Like it's a really easy to kind of slip into that without thinking about it. Mm. Yeah, cause it's at a, cause it exists at a, I think getting all philosophical about it. I think the dark side kind of exists at a more basal at a more base level. Like the idea of the Jedi is, yeah, we use the same abilities they do, but we, we come from a higher level of thinking about this stuff. You know, the Sith are all about, you know, base pleasures and, and passion and, you know, it's all emotion driven as opposed to being driven by logic, you know, or wisdom as it were, you know, in kind of the, like they don't really, everything's very controlled and very, um, you know, when they talk about order versus chaos, that sort of thing. But it's very, very logic, very left brain as opposed to very right brain mm. approach to it. Um, so that leads to kind of, uh, so you have, you have Luke and then you have his antithesis. Cause he, as he talks about in the flashbacks with, with Ben going evil and stuff, he like, he talks about the fact that he's like, I knew Snoke already had his claws in him. I'm like, so he knows who Snoke is. At that point, I'm really curious about that. I wonder if Luke is the one who did the damage to Snoke's face. Partially, mm-hmm. I, it makes me curious. Um, but then, then so then we do come to Snoke, who is basically Luke's opposite, as he thinks for sure. As Snoke believes, like right. Luke is the guy who who he needs to destroy. As you know, there's the entire um, line about uh, you know, yeah. Uh, as you grew in your darkness, Kylo, I expected the the light to rise. I expected that would be Skywalker, and instead we got this chick. Yeah, it was like what this little slip of a thing. I don't, a g- 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 girl. Yeah, you know, it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's the thing. Is like everybody thinks of this this idea that it's and that, and that's part of the and that's that's part of the thing about Star Wars. The, the hubris of Star Wars itself as a franchise is that now everybody thinks that. Skywalker has cachet, like it all has to tie into Skywalker and things like that. And we're like, well, they forget Anakin came from nothing. Right. Like he was just a slave on a planet somewhere. Luke, basically, although he was Anakin's kid, basically came from nothing. He was just right. a farm boy on Tatooine who got swept up in an adventure. 
So now why wouldn't the same thing happen again? You know, without, without, they don't have to be related. It's just, (laughs) that's what that was. That's always the audience's assumption. And I love that they played with that. Yeah. And that that was one Um, of the things that I really appreciated about, uh, you know, the, the moment post, uh, you know, guard battle, uh, with the, with Kyle and, uh, with Ray, with the, it is, with, you know, mm-hmm. it's like the, oh, now look how great we are together. So you're going to join me on the throne, right? And, uh, you know, they, they have that entire thing. And Jesus, <laughs> so like, what? Yeah, he's like, you're not a name brand. You're a nobody. You know, you, you know who your parents really are. Uh, they were just, they, you know, they left you because they were alcoholics on a desert planet. And, you know, you got left with the junk trader. And the irony is, is that as much as he idolizes Darth Vader, he doesn't really know or, you know, have the background as far as what Anakin was, which was uh, basically an orphan left with a junk trader. And so yeah. there's that <laughs> symmetry there, which is, it, it's ironic. And it kind of makes me think that, yes, this is the actual story that they will go with as far as race parentage are concerned. Um, yeah. You know, because it, 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 there is a certain poetry in it. Yeah, well, and that's and it's interesting because they did. I, I like. I particularly like it again. Again, this is talking a little bit about Ryan Johnson's approach versus JJ, which because it it makes what happened in the Force Awakens like so much so much misdirection about who she actually is. Because even when she's having that Force vision in Maz Kanata's castle, like flashing back on what was supposed to be the slaughter of the Knights of Ren and Luke in the temple, and then like because you hear Ben Kenobi's voice in there, like you hear a bunch of different stuff. And that's really just more of, you know, when we talk about the force with like the force coming, kind of coming to life in her and, and her connection to it. Then at that point, she really just doesn't, she's not related to anybody. She just kind of is connected to the force in a way that nobody really understood. Um, and I like that. I agree with you. I think the more I think about it, the more I appreciate it. Like I felt like I, again, I, at first with that reveal, I thought it was another misdirect. I'm like, I'm betting she's related to somebody. You know, and they'll they'll turn that around in episode nine and be like, "Oh no, he was lying." Here's you know, this is your real parents, you know. Um, but no, I I actually do like that a lot. Like I, you know, and it keeps yeah, like you said, it keeps with the theme of Star Wars, where like a, a somebody who's considered a nobody can make a huge difference in the world, right? You know. Um, but getting back to Snoke, I I just want to say. I was a little disappointed with how they treated Snoke. Um, it felt like he was very neutered for the film. Like you see him, you see him with like sheer force power for the first time. Like you don't really ever see him do anything in the force awakens. Right. Like you actually see the, you know, a start to start to see a hint of his power in this movie, but then he gets neutered pretty quickly. Well, He's just like an old guy in a chair. To be fair, his screen time was cut in half. Yeah. That's true. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, I have to admit you, he when he found that out, he was probably beside himself. Right. But uh, <laughs> but that's yeah. So no, that's it, only because he's half the man he used to be. So. Uh, <laughs> so, but uh, now he's bisexual. Oh God. <laughs> okay, I'm done with a split personality. Yes. <laughs> All right, I'm done. All right, we're done. <laughs> Two sides of the same go. Two sides of the same groin. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I actually, okay. I did, anyway. I did love the way that they they played that. You know, because you always imagine that 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 
the or they they you know typically portray that these kinds of uh, betrayals between the the Sith you know uh, master and servant uh, you know are are typically violent affairs, but Kylo actually does a very masterful and what you assume is pre-planned job of making sure that his thoughts are read one hundred percent you know faithfully. Um, in the way that, you know, he, he broadcasts to Snoke, I am focusing, you know, the lightsaber, I am pointing it at my true enemy. And, you know, that, that, that he, you know, Snoke, even as force aware as he is, doesn't realize that there's that level of deception. And there's a certain purity of thought that Kylo has to keep in order to, to keep that going. Yeah, um, no, and, exactly. And yeah, and, and, and he pulls it off, and I, I actually thought that that part was very well done. But, you know, to your point, yes, we never get to see, you know, what happened to, you know, Snoke pre, like, you know, before he was doing dip and stuff and, and like, you know, got caught jaw camp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't – and that's the thing. Like, I, I feel like there was a lot of – and some of it may just be because apparently, from what I understand, the, the initial cut of this was, like, over three hours and – Ryan Johnson had to cut like 45 minutes out of the movie. Um, so um, in the editing suite. So I don't know how much got left on the, left on the editing room floor or in the digital bin. Um, but I feel like I, I liked, I actually, I agree with you. I liked that betrayal. It was, I didn't see it coming. I was like, Oh wow. You know, normally when you see some of that stuff, it's more of a slow burn. Like you, you can kind of see it. Like it's going to hit somewhere like you'd expect something like that in episode nine at the crux of the story, as opposed to right here early on where it becomes like, okay, nope, he's not the bad guy. I am, you know, but it's very in keeping with Sith tradition that the apprentice slay the master. So I, I appreciated that they kept that, that they kept that part of star Wars tradition alive and just did it kind of accelerated the timetable for what I expected. Um, on that, and then of course the the fight scene with the guards and stuff was terrific. Um, and it's yeah. um, and that, oddly enough, though, that's the thing. It's the closest we actually come to a lightsaber duel in the entire movie. So it's, mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Right. Like no, you know, other than and even as we as we talk about later with with Luke and Kylo at the end with their confrontation, like their lightsabers never touch. So. You know what else? Uh, uh, they did a pretty good job of making sure in, in that very last fight scene too that we saw that yeah. Kylo when he slid, you know that he that he mm-hmm. made those red marks, and when Luke slid or moved around, interesting. We didn't see I didn't. I didn't think I about didn't that. Catch yeah. that. Oh, interesting. Okay. I didn't catch that the first time. Somebody actually, somebody yeah. actually pointed that out to me. Like you have to. Yeah, like they, they made a very. <clears throat> they made a very good point of like focusing right. on the feet. And uh, Kylo made marks, Luke didn't, and nobody yeah. picked right. up on it. Until, well, I, I wondered yeah, I, you know, I, I, until the very, very end. Yeah. But I did notice that there well, was no I felt, lightsaber I, action. What, what like, I felt was off that? at first was before, the, yeah. before, like when Luke first steps out and takes off the jacket stuff, if you look at, if you look at his hair, like his hairstyle is colored, like it's a, it's a younger, he looks yeah. younger. Than right. he did on on the island, right. and his his outfit is similar to what he was wearing at the end of Jedi, where it's not quite yeah, all black, exactly. but it's like you could see hints of that, and it was like interesting. Okay, I I was like something's up here. This yeah. doesn't feel right. I don't know if it's 
I don't know exactly what's going on, right. but it just didn't feel right. So it was, but I loved it. Like I like that whole scene, like them firing on him, and which I was like, that's a very yeah. kind of that's a very kind of Gandalf move. Yeah. You know, like they're all fired. He just blocks everything. I'm like, yes. Um, that's what you wanted to see. Like that's, I think that's what everybody wanted to see since the beginning, since like episode four. Like that's what they wanted Luke to become was the ultimate like Jedi master. And then it was a fake out. <laughs> I was like, oh, but even that was brilliant. I'm like, oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> um, yeah. It makes me no, think. It, it, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And that, that entire scene and, and the, the fun projection, like, you know, that they did was yeah. uh, the, the, the fact that, you know, Kylo's freaking out and like, you know, every gun fire on that position. And then. You know, it's like okay, uh, yeah, you're you're kind of out of control here, dude. Just back off. Uh, let's let the gun barrel cool down. Oh, <laughs> yeah. crap, he's still there. Whoa, <laughs> yeah, it was like okay. Um, the other interesting thing I, I think about now, thinking back on it, I'm gonna when I see it again, I want I want to watch for this. I think that like when Luke talks to Leia in the room, like when he first comes into the room there before he goes marching out in front of everybody. Like, I think she knows, like you can tell she senses it's not, he's not actually there because if you listen to the sound, like the sound goes quiet, basically the similar to the way Ray and Kylo had been talking. So it's just them. And that's what I thought at first was that he was projecting to her in the room. Um, and like he was up, you know, I was still hoping yeah. he was in his, like pulled his X-wing out of the water and was using that. But, um, their conversation feels like it's obviously a goodbye, but she know. I think she knew that he wasn't actually there. It was kind of that sensation, like she could feel it in a way that um, wasn't really played with, and I really appreciated that. And then, then he appeared to, to you know. And then apparently, Sleepio could see him. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I liked, I liked the way they played that for sure. But there's just a yeah. mass amount of effort to project that to everybody is really impressive, you know, to me. Um, as, as a you know, yeah, it, as, a, as a fan of a fictional universe, to be like, "Ooh, space wizards!" Yeah, <laughs> right. um, but, you know, it, it, it's interesting the way that they made that scene and the way that they actually filmed it. Uh, you know, in the previous uh, you know encounters between Ray and Kylo, like li they're literally able to touch each other, mm -hmm. and the, you know, you get into the scene where Kylo goes and, and runs his lightsaber through Luke. And, you know, you have Luke die on the rock at the end. But yeah. One of the interesting things that I noticed was that they never actually show, like, his gut. And, you know, once he gets up and, like, you know, is staring off into the double sunset or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, it very well could have been that in an alternate cut of this, that Luke literally is bleeding out out there. Um, and, you know, you... I think they left that open and they wanted to gauge, you know, reaction or yeah. you know, how, how it played with different audiences because it, it really does look like it was filmed ambiguously and that they could yeah. have had that. No, and uh, I think that's – and Ryan Johnson's really great at being like that, doing that kind of stuff with ambiguousness or ambiguity in, in, in certain shots. So you can think of it different ways. You still get the same result, but like how it happens. To me, See, to me, I didn't get that. I got it more of – almost like a heart attack, like the strain of pulling that off is what really did him in at the end. And he knew it, you know, and it was kind of like, okay, time to go be one with the force, you know, kind of thing. Right. And so that was, 
it's it didn't diminish that. That's the thing. It's different perceptions of the same event. And it doesn't diminish the appreciation of that moment. So I, I really right. I really and respect I, I do, that. I agree with that's how it was portrayed in the film, like the, as it was presented. And Kylo even refers to that like the the first time that like he and Ray uh, connect. He's like, you can't be doing this over this distance. That would kill you. Yeah. Uh, and you know, in order to project yourself to you know, literally, uh, you know, hundreds of people and whatever instrumentation they have. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's got to take a hell of a lot of effort. Right. And then, and then like as Snoke reveals later, like the, he was the bridge for them kind of like he was, you know, he was their, their, their switchboard operator basically to let them talk as he had his own machinations to, to play out uh, with that. Uh, which I thought was, and that makes sense then, but then you never really, that obviously doesn't exhaust Snoke that much, uh, that we see, obviously, because you you don't want to give that away, but, um, yeah, no, I, I, I can agree with that too. I mean, that's, and that's, that's how I like, but it was very, like, I loved the, him sitting on the rock, looking at the sunset, you know, I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, it was like, I had some, you know, I had some allergies a little bit act yeah. up, um, at the end there <laughs> a little bit, you know, it was, but it was very, you know, what it reminded me of was oddly enough, another franchise Babylon five. Um, yes. At the end when Sheridan uh, at the very last episode, when he just kind of goes out and he's on his own and they had the end, he has that, mm-hmm. he watches that sunrise and then just vanishes. I was like, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Like it just really, yeah. it was such a beautiful moment. Um, right. And and whatnot. And so now, now you'll get to see Luke back as a Force ghost in nine. And I I fully know. expect that at this point, just because of circumstances. Um, I I think it'd be cool if Yoda showed up too. Frankly, I would love to see that also. I think they should both show up. You know, just they should just have like a council of Force ghosts show up, <laughs> just giving Ray advice, and she's like, "Stop it! I'm going my own way." <laughs> right. You know, dude, I'm taking a shower. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh okay. No, too far. Remember, kid friendly. <laughs> right. Um, so there are a few characters uh, we still. I I think we we still want to get through some of these. Basically, the the extras, unfortunately, um, at this point. So so kind of wasted characters. I think Hux. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't really do no, much with not. him in this movie. He was ba- well, yeah, Hux first because he basically got relegated to comic relief. Uh, for the right. bad guys, uh, done very well, but still, it was like, oh, what a waste. Yeah, Phasma. Well, that, that, yeah, Phasma was a criminal waste, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, and that's somebody that they, they've you know fleshed out her backstory and given her so much uh, you know badassery. Uh, yeah, and, and you know she grew up basically on a Mad Max type planet. You know, got got herself. Uh, cream of the crop get, gets handpicked by the empire and she gets her ass kicked in like five minutes in two different movies. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just really sad. But one thing, and I know that we talked about this privately before, but uh, you know, you pointed out as far as Hux is concerned, like when in the aftermath of the Ray ba- battle with Kylo and mm-hmm. uh, the guards and the, yeah. the ship getting split in half, uh, you know, the, there's the moment where, uh, Kylo's like wounded on the floor and Hux yeah. comes up and like he wants know, to take advantage of it because he hates that guy. Right. Yeah. 
Right. And he's like, you know, he's pulling out his blaster and then he sees that uh, Kylo's getting up. And he's like, oh, crap. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, oh, thank God you're safe. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that was terrific. And I think the, um, and that was what, that I actually like. Again, that's that subtle, that's a a slightly more subtle bit of humor than the beginning with Poe, where it's like, that actually makes it, that that kind of reminds me of the Stormtroopers in The Force Awakens when Kylo's like slashing up the cell and they come around the corner. It's like, uh, no, we're not going, we're not going to mess with that. Let's go away. So... Um, so that actually worked. And we know that Hux and Kyla, like Hux freaking hates him. Like just with the heat of thousand suns. <laughs> um, and so wants to, wants to see him die and he has this opportunity and then he misses it. He doesn't quite get there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh, what a shame. Um, but yeah, so yeah. So Hux is great. I, I assume he's going to meet his end in episode nine somehow. Um, whether Kylo kills him, I don't know, but he could have been such a really good, like he's, I, I feel like he's trying to be Tarkin and can't quite get there because he just doesn't have the, the gravitas of, mm-hmm. of Peter Cushing, basically not, not a slam on Donald Gleason at all. Like I, I love Donald Gleason's acting, but and this is, he's more of like a late stage Hitler crazy pants sort of sort of clown almost it's really weird um with that and yeah so then like you said phasma just criminally wasted because she really is such a strong character um i think that was just unfortunate and then dj as we talk about benicio del toro eh you know they don't really do much with him like he's kind of there as again as a plot contrivance to advance the story Right, uh, but well, and my 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 hope for him is that you know, and my belief is that yes, he is nowhere close to the the codebreaker that they actually went there to go and get. They, yeah. they, he just happens to be a guy taking advantage of his luck, much in the the way that Han Solo would. But um, I, I think that um, you know, I would actually hate to see him turn into a good guy. I think he's mm-hmm. self-motivated and, uh, you know, much like Boba Fett, he has his own set of, you know, rules that he follows. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. no reason to have him, like, be a good guy. Uh, he's somebody that was in a jail cell. He saw an opportunity for profit. He took it. Uh, you know, um, you had uh, Finn and uh, Rose that, you know, just they, they're distrustful of him. But he's the best option they have, especially after he rescues their butt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although he does, and this is the thing, like he does hint at, but that's the thing, he does hint at much like Han Solo in, in, in the kind of that trending toward good when he gives back Rose her her prize medallion, that you know, because right. she gives it to him thinking it's payment and he uses it to short the door. It was like, this is why I borrowed it here. You know, like there there is that moment right. of like, okay, so they may, I think they're probably... As much as I agree with you, I think they're probably trending to make him a good guy by the end, in some fashion. Yeah, maybe I, maybe I'm I'm yeah. hoping you're I'm hoping you're right in some way that they're going to tease it that way and then really screw us over and be like, oh, you know, to because right. I think that dramatically that would just be really cool. But yeah, and, and they did do the setup because he has this entire line, you know, as you know, they're selling him out. He's like, yeah, you know, sometimes uh, you know you're going to be exploding them, and I'll be with you and this time they're exploding you and I'll be with them. And, you know, it's like 
he's going to play both sides, but I, I hope that they actually make him true to his character and make himself interested. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll see. I, I suspect he will meet his end at the hands of Rose if that's the case somehow. I don't that know why. Be, that would be that, great, actually. It, well, and it makes yeah. the most sense. It really makes the most sense. Uh, dramatically speaking, from a storytelling standpoint, like it makes the most sense that Rose would be the one to to finish him off, not not necessarily kill him, but to to bring him down uh, at the end, because her like the ultimate person who who lives for other people to kind of be there and be like you know for the guy who lives for himself, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that makes sense, and then and then of course we have BB-8, who's much less of a presence in this movie. Which only makes sense, really, because there's just so many damn characters anyway. <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of like you have BB-8, and then of course his evil twin, BB-9, mm-hmm. E. The E, e. stands for right. evil. You know. But um, <laughs> and my hope is that you know uh, that he escaped with DJ. Uh, because you know it would be fun to imagine those two like flying around in whatever ship he was given by the uh, new order, yeah, uh, or the first order. And uh, you know you never actually see uh, the BB nine E you know die, so it would be fun to imagine that that he'll pop up again and you'll have your your you know the the two droids battle it out. Yeah, and they've had. They've had that before, not in the film, but in the comic books. Um, in the new, in the new canon, there was a like a Vader miniseries, and he had this scientist that he worked with, basically kind of like a mercenary. But but she had an evil version of three PO and R two D two. Like we're like murderous, like psychopathic droids. <laughs> and it was terrific. Um, they they really kind of stole that series uh, a lot, just because it was so funny to watch. Um, or to read that. So I think, yeah, I mean, so there's already an established history of evil, like truly evil droids um, in that way. So, yeah, no, I hope to, I hope they, we get to see them really fight it out. They did a little bit this time, but not by much. So I think it was, I, yeah, I really want to see them pull that out. I suspect JJ will make great use of that in episode nine. Um, Cause that's kind of his thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's actually all the characters, I think. Did I miss anybody? Um, I don't think so. That's the major characters anyway, I should say. Um, I don't think we really missed anybody, which is good. Um, so, so overall, so you're... Okay, so overall, in terms of the film, like where you feel like it fits in terms of the canon. Now, I know I kind of said at the beginning, it feels like a transitional piece, even more than like Empire Strikes Back did or anything like that. Like it feels like the direction is really massively changing for the franchise. Do you agree? Disagree? What do you think? I think that that's kind of the point of what uh, what they did with this movie is that. The idea was to to really hit the reset button and to really take what you expected to happen in the next movie and to cause it to happen here. And I think that that in the long run, as a, you know, looking at it as a business venture for Disney, what they're doing is that the the next movie will be the setup that that basically primes the next trilogy. 
And, uh, you know, by taking uh, basically the Emperor's death from the third movie and putting it into the middle of this one, you mm-hmm. now have, uh, you know, Kylo as the ascended power. And uh, you have, um, you know, his plan and the, the rebellion down to or the resistance down to its last, you know, 50 people or whatever, plus ancillary hideouts around the universe. You, yeah. you, you you kind of have to create the new foundation that will be the basis for whatever comes after it, even if those, the, those elements uh, kind of uh, die or, or come to some kind of conclusion in the next movie. And yeah. what I imagine what will happen, because this is Disney and this is kind of the, the way that they would, it, it makes sense from their storytelling to, to present the art, is that, you know, Kylo will create the next, you know, generation or, or re reuppance of the First Order. Um, they will basically create a machine or a process that he then comes to regret. Uh, and that, you know, through the, the willpower of, you know, um, Ray causing him to re-examine himself or what his mechanizations or whatever... And they're they're going to get to the point where he has the change of heart, and the two of them together have to you know shut down the machine. But okay. it, it will be something that the, the the process will have been started, and they may be able to achieve a reprieve at the cost of Kylo or Kylo and Ray because she said she doesn't want to do another movie after this. Okay, um, you know that 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 the 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 machine will live on. But those two will have their story told. All right. Um, Brian, what do you think? Uh, what do I think? I, th- I think that this movie follows the mold that we've seen in the past with Star Wars, where, like, episode one is like, uh, yay, the rebels, yay. And then kind of episode two, it goes the way of the dark side, right? And it's like, okay, now they're winning. And then episode, the next episode is like, yay, mm-hmm. the rebels won again, right? So it's kind of like this you sure. kind of thing. Um, I, I think that's where we are with, with this one. I think it's we're kind of in a limbo kind of thing. It's like it kind of looks like, you know, um, the rebels are a little low right now. They have no resources, and they're on the run. And Skywalker's gone, you know. And there's 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 this like there's this lull, like oh, all is all is lost, you know, sort of well, thing. Well, but I will say, uh, uh, and this goes back. I think to it fits the, very uh, nicely. The thing that Brian said earlier in the show um, is that uh, when you look at the character arcs that took place in this. I actually think that they did a wonderful job of uh, uh, doing what, you know, Brian also pointed out that the, you know, the Sith do the dark path because it's the easier path. And, uh, you know, that's the the way that they go. Kylo really has gotten his, you know, his, his desire, his desire to be in control and to be in power. And he's done it through sheer force of will and basically shortcutting and killing Snoke and all of that. Yeah. Whereas if you look through all of the other characters on the resistance side, 
you know, Poe had his basically coming of age as not just being a, a you know, a jockey in the, in the next wing. You had, uh, you know, Finn learned that, okay, there are some, there's some value in defending something rather than just running from it. Uh, you had Ray basically realize that she doesn't have to be of a special lineage to be somebody special. Uh, you have, uh, you know, kind of the, these development arcs that are taking place uh, where each of those characters actually has, you know, undergone some fundamental change that will need to be addressed or, or to see how they respond in the next movie. Okay. And that certainly the, that light path is more difficult mm. than just you know, exerting your will and suddenly being in a new place. Hmm. All right. Cool. Okay. Uh, once again, I think I kind of fall somewhere in between you guys a little bit. I agree with with Brian that it's kind of the middle of this trilogy story, and so far it still fits the mold. However... Uh, I also agree with yeah. Brian that it kind of needs to prime the pump However, for the next trilogy, which Ryan Johnson is also overseeing. But I think this kind yeah. of, they took this, basically JJ kind of handed off the story and said, this is this is where I left off. And Ryan Johnson basically took it and veered left off the highway into the woods um, a little bit with this. Like, ooh, yeah, my turn. Um, but the, the fact is Lucasfilm actually liked what he did in order to extend the franchise in a way. So what I think is going to happen, episode nine will probably take place a few years later. Uh, they need to find a way to work Carrie Fisher, you know, they need to work a way to find a way to work Leia out of the story. Um, probably she'll die off screen. Um, Cause they said that, that she will not appear in episode nine in any way. So my guess is they're just, they're, they're just going to write her out in the opening crawl or something. So Poe will step up and take over. Ray, yeah. um, Ray and Kylo. I suspect that Kylo will meet his end, and this is why. Um, like he will die before the end because Ben Solo, like he talks about letting the past die and killing it if you have to. He's a part of that. Like he's a part of that Skywalker family line. So he would also right. need to go, and I don't think he realizes that yet. Uh, so at some point, whether whether he does it as Kylo Ren or as Ben Solo, he will meet his end in Episode Nine because of that. Like he will come to that realization and, and probably either die horribly or sacrifice himself in a noble fashion, you know, to advance the story. Ray will probably end up then stepping up to be the progenitor of the next generation of Jedi as a teacher or find some way to guide them. Uh, as far as Daisy Ridley not wanting to do another movie, I guarantee you they back up the money truck. She'll probably do at least one more. So, <laughs> right. uh, in some way, uh, I assume that I assume her contract w is up with Episode Nine, but I I suspect she could get a much better contract for the next trilogy if they want to bring her back. Um, because she really has carried a lot of this move, a lot of these movies. Um. But I understand she's very early in her career, too, so she wants to go do other stuff, and there's nothing preventing her from doing that either. So um, I suspect, I think some of the events will happen kind of the way, Brian, the way you described them, that I don't, I don't know about the mechanical device thing. I would like to see, what I'd like to see is Hux actually survive the end of Episode Nine, so that he can step up and become, the net, like, actually grow into that Tarkin-like role. 
um, maybe and kind of reorganize the first order in a different way that might work for him. You know, I don't think it'll happen, but I'd like to see that just so a Donald Gleason gets more of a chance to kind of show off what he can do. Um, and so they, so he's not just thought of as a clown forever. Like I really would like to see him step up in that way. So it's somebody that's not a force user who really knows how to use all of the tools at his command. You know, maybe he just needs to learn that. Um, so that's that's what I hope for at least for that, and then that way that sets up, that way it really clears the board for the next trilogy, so they can start with something completely new, even if they don't use any of these characters and just start off with all new characters. That's fine, you know. They can hint at what happened to set it another thirty years in the future or something, you know. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my thought on that. A little bit. I hope that made sense. <laughs> Okay, cool. Totes. Alrighty, well, that feels like a good place to kind of wrap up. So, like it, loved it, really, really liked it. Um, it was kind of our still general judgments. We still kind of feel the same way an hour and a half in. Right. Okay, awesome. And, and I'd like to just add one thing, which, which you know, it occurred to me when I was uh, having breakfast this morning, but they did actually throw a little uh, subtle... Uh, throwback in there that I didn't think about until this morning, which was Luke still has a thing for blue milk. Uh, yeah, well, it was green this time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was green. Yeah, that was really disgusting. I was like, okay, that was, oh man. <laughs> I was like, and that's, I thought the same thing. Like, oh, that's where the blue milk comes from. My guess is it's after it's been homogenized and treated, it turns blue. <laughs> right. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a fresh thing. It's like, uh, yes, okay, yeah. you know, oh, milk's gone orange. It's, it's gone bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's the little things that can really turn your stomach. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. Okay, cool. So hmm. final thoughts, anything that we, uh, anything we didn't discuss that you wanted to cover or anybody? Yeah. Cool. No. All right. I got to yeah. see it again and again. All right. Well, I will certainly see it again. And I'm sure, I'm sure Brian, you and I may talk about it a little yeah. bit more next week. Um, just because. Uh, Brian, I want to thank you for joining us again for our, what is now apparently supersized, spoilerific Star Wars episode yeah. uh, of the Brian Trust. Yeah. Um, and thank you all for listening uh, to this episode of the Brian Trust. You can hear all of our episodes at our website, briantrustpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there uh, on your favorite podcatcher or Apple Podcasts, uh, formerly known as uh, the artist, formerly known as iTunes. Uh, if you do subscribe via Apple Podcasts, or if you want to, just go in there and rate and review the show. Uh, ratings and reviews are how podcasts like ours get learned, get discovered by other people. Um, so rate it. Be honest, but be fair. Uh, if you have a critique, be specific. Let us know the things we can work on, uh, what you want to see in the show. If you don't want to do it there, you can contact us directly. Our email is briantrustpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can contact us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thebriantrust. We're also available on Twitter. Uh, the show, you can reach the show at thebriantrust. Individually, we're on Twitter. I am at actorgeek. Um, you can also listen to our friend Brian if you want Uh, he is now a radio DJ on the weekends at KWSS 
93.3 FM in Phoenix. Uh, we'll have yep. the link in the show notes. It's kwss.org. Yep. Uh, you can see yep. their schedule uh, there. You can like them. You can donate. You can do all sorts of things yep. to fund fund yeah, independent radio. Did. Yeah, we also just set up a Spotify channel. So there you go. There you go. So go to the website, find out, find their Spotify channel. You can subscribe to that as well if you're into that particular style of music. But check it out, kwss.org. Uh, for that one and on behalf of brian and brian and myself we've reached another episode of the the end of the brian trust thank you all for listening and until next time uh i'm holding for general what's his face (laughs) General Hux. Uh, yeah. It's okay. I'll- Hello? Are you there? Yeah, I- I'd like to order some pulled pork roast. Uh, 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 pork chops. Pork chops and applesauce. Isn't it swell? Yeah. <laughs>